You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I would like to call in the spirits to join us here today. I would like to begin to call in our ancestors, all of those who lived well and died well, those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful into our lives through our ancestral legacy. We call out to these people all the way back to the first man and the first woman. And we call out to these ancestors because they are the beginning of this huge family that we call humanity. So we call out to these ancestors in their great diversity and ask them to be with us here today, to guide us, the living, that we might go forward in a way that brings our gifts to the world, that we might go forward in a way that attends to the nourishment and the encouragement of diversity in others, that we might grow together and do all of this in a way that is good for those who are coming. And may we set up the world for those who are coming uh, to Present to them a model of life that is good for all living things, that shows a responsibility for the great web of life. And may those ancestors that lived in this way, with a sense of their responsibility as a living being, as a living part of this great web of life, we ask those ancestors to come forward and to help us understand how we need to live so that those who are coming will not have to struggle as we do today to remember who we truly are and what it means to be truly and fully human. So we ask these ancestors to join us here today and help us, help the living as you always have, to rise to our greatest goodness and to do what we have come here to do. So we give thanks for those ancestors for coming, for gathering round. We reach down through our bodies into the earth to that most essential ancestor, the earth, and we give thanks to her for her dreaming. Because it is her dream of life that brought life as we understand it to this planet. We give thanks for the great beauty of life, the great diversity, the web of life, the wisdom inherent and held in that life. And we ask the earth to share with us this wisdom of manifestation that we might each learn how to be here in form in a good way. So we give thanks to the earth from the heart and draw that energy up into our bodies into our hearts and into our minds and drawing with that energy the wisdom of how to manifest, how to be manifest and how to do it in a way with respect for all other things that are manifest. So we give thanks to the earth for place, for home, for belonging. We give thanks to the earth for connection and interconnection and the deep, deep divine truth of the oneness in all things. We give thanks to her for this dream and our opportunity to live as a part of that great miracle. And with that energy infusing us and inspiring us, we reach up 
up through the sky and out to the atmosphere and out into the cosmos and all the way out beyond the physical reaches of sky into the spirit reaches of sky and all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name we call that energy, I invite each of you to call it down into yourself, into your own head and body, into your day, into our circle here as we proceed and into your life in all ways. And in this way, we bring in the energy of protection. We bring in the energy of blessing and the energy of generosity. And all of these energies can inspire us to be in a state of gratitude. And so we give thanks for this energy and call it down into our mind and into our heart. And we ask this energy to bring with it all the wisdom of the universe that we might be inspired and informed by this information as well. So we draw the energy of the sky down and the energy of the earth up and we let these two great lovers mingle within us and they Tao into the great balance of wholeness and oneness within us. And with these energies dancing and loving and expressing within us, we call out to the spirit of the heart. And may the spirit of the heart be with us here today and the heart be present as the great crucible that it is that is able to bring up the fiery energies of the passions of the belly, the soul's purpose, the desire, the reason that we are here, the thing that gives us the reason to go on, to survive, to be alive. We call up those fiery energies into the heart and we call down the wisdom and perception and knowledge that comes to us from the mind to help us to create and craft how to be here in a good way. And so we draw these energies in, the cool energies of the mind and the hot energies of the belly into the heart where they can merge and dance just like the energies of the earth and sky into a balance that gives birth to our gifts and may we know in our heart while we are here and may we find the courage in our heart to do what we have come here to do in a good way so we give thanks for all of these energies for being present with us here today may what needs to be said be said and what needs to be heard be heard and may all these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things so i have a bunch of gratitude to offer here today um and first, I want to give thanks to Phyllis Pay. Um, I reconnected with her, uh, which is a teacher from a couple decades ago, to prepare for today's show. And it was so lovely to get a response from her and reconnect with her energy, even via the electronic world, that she's such an amazing spirit and such a beautiful human being. And I want to give thanks to her for her continuing work in the world and for the time that I um, got to spend in her care. And learning her teachings. It was a great, great gift in my life. And I'm deeply, deeply grateful. It informs every single day of my life as I have gone forward from that time. So I am profoundly grateful. And I am grateful for you and your generosity. I want to give special thanks to Stephen, to Indrick, to Bill at Shaman's Well, to Jennifer and Stephanie and all the listeners who have donated to the show since last week. If this show is meaningful to you in any way, I ask you to allow yourself to be moved in the heart and from the heart into action and from that action to do something to support the show. If you would like to simply donate, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and hit the support button and donate any amount, large or small. All of it goes directly to keeping the show on the air, and I am profoundly grateful for every single unit that comes in to help us keep the show alive. And then do all of the other wonderful things that you're doing to help the show to grow, the listenership to grow, and help the ideas to grow in our lives. So if this show is meaningful to you today, please do something to help the show to grow and I am deeply grateful for all that you are doing and I give thanks to um, Co-Creator Network for being there so that we can be here and that all of this information 
can be out there um, in the in cyberspace for the world to connect with. So today's show is in response to a listener who was asking about a particular a challenge she has with fears in her life and and that she's doing the good work and yet these fears keep arising. And so today's show um, has caused me to go back to talk to my original teacher, Phyllis Pay, and then to go forward into the work that I'm doing and to really think about how do we deal with, how do we use shamanism to deal with issues of the, the primary fears in life that come up and in particular the fear of abandonment and one of the things that I recognized through all of these years working shamanically is that when we're tapping these deep fundamental fears that humanity moves with like the fear of abandonment the irony of these experiences is that when they arise they cause us so in other words the fear of abandonment that is coming out of the past causes us in the present to abandon ourselves. The fear of rejection that we carry from the past causes us in the present to reject ourselves. The fear of separation that we carry from the past causes us to take action here in the present in which we separate from ourselves. And that this is the the great irony of these old fears that we carry in the body. And the value of shamanic work is that we can plunge more deeply into these dynamics and get to the core fears, which are real, and clear them instead of this constant churning work that people do in the illusory fears or the perceived fears of the present time. That the real clearing needs to happen at the source, at the root fear that is um, coming out of the past when we were truly dependent because of our child state on others. And then the other piece of this that is important that comes out of the Tao, comes out of Taoism, which I believe is really kind of a core philosophy of at the heart of shamanism, is that each of these fears has a yin-yang relationship. And so if we can truly stop abandoning the part of ourself that lives in a fear of abandonment and recover her or him, then we find a deep fulfillment that, that these, these energies, these fears live in a dynamic relationship with their counterpart. And so much of the things we pay, shamans, therapists, life coaches, gurus, um, teachers, all of these people to help us to find in life are actually present within us but trapped in that child relationship that is wrapped in this cloak of fear. And so our fulfillment is in the heart of that abandoned self. Uh, that, so this is, this is the thing uh, that I'd like to explore today is this, this dynamic relationship where it never fails that these old fears – inspire us unconsciously to repeat the problem in present time. And if we can delve into that dynamic and discover what is truly held in the heart of that fear, we actually can 
flip, just like moving through the dot of the yin in the yang or the dot of the yang in the yin, we can flip over, for example, from a place of profound abandonment to fulfillment. So this is our our topic here today. We've picked a small one for today. (laughs) Anyway, um, we are live and in person. You are invited to call in if you have a question at uh, 512 Seven seven two one nine three eight, or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site or you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org so this fear of abandonment or separation or banishment is what I call one of the great life hobblers they don't necessarily stop us but they hobble us so we never really quite stop moving towards health or vitality or soul's purpose so we keep on working but effectively they keep us lame in that journey so that we never really quite satisfy this core life journey towards ourselves and that we're working 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 very hard but in a sense we're churning we're we're hobbled in a way that never quite allows us to get going and move towards our true reason for existing and of course the irony as i've said earlier in the fear in these fears like the fear of abandonment that we carry from the past is that they inspire us to abandon ourselves again and again or reject ourselves or whatever ourselves again and again and again in present time and my this is the core of this What I want to talk about today is from Phyllis's teachings. And at the same time, there is a great deal that I have learned from shamanism that expands my my own understanding of how deeply these stories work. And a whole nother show, which isn't today, would be about why, therefore, the storyteller in culture is so important. And the corollary to that would be why the fact that we've given over the role of the storyteller to media, Hollywood, news shows, etc., is so profoundly debilitating to the true nourishment of our soul. Because our soul needs to hear the stories, the true stories, that help us understand how to move beyond the fears we will feel as a human. But anyway, like I said, another show. So back to the piece that shamanism has has brought for me in, in expanding my own understanding of this dynamic because, of course, I'm a human in the world too, and I have to do all this work as well, just like everybody else. So I think I've actually shared this story before, but it was so profoundly moving and simple. I'm going to share it again. So in the fourth year, one of the fourth year classes, we were doing ancestral clearing where each individual person is doing a process I was given by spirit to help to clear their own ancestral line. And that is very challenging work to do because the issues of our ancestors are our own issues and we have problems seeing them, which is what makes it so challenging. Now, with that said, um, one uh, student in class did a really powerful piece of clearing with her ancestors around a child um, of a nomadic people that was literally left behind and thus left behind to die. And that she, she did the work clearing with the ancestors, but after that journey was just slammed into her own present time, this lifetime uh, 
experiences of feeling like that abandoned child again and again and again in life, not only in her family, but in her relationships with lovers. And that it it just felt like this story that had defined and was continuing to define her whole life. And the, um, and she was beyond the fear of it. She was just deeply in the pain of being that child that gets left behind by their people to die. And, and, the, and how horribly that debilitates any sense of personal sovereignty and value and anything. And, and her feeling was just utter, um, not hopelessness, but more a sense of, of just being up against the wall. Where, where to even go with this? This was just too big and, and it just felt too real to actually manifest any other possibility in her life. And so in this um, ancestral healing process, the second part of the process after people have done their best to do the clearing themselves is to find out what did get cleared for them, which is very common in your own ancestral work to not be able to do the clearing work and to bring that work to the group and let the community, the circle, the, the people gathered do the healing work on your behalf. And your ancestors' behalf, which is ultimately for the, on behalf of the descendants who are coming. So we did a healing for her, which amounted to basically everybody else in the group uh, journeying to do the same journey. And so she lay in the center and everyone else lay around her and everyone else went into their own ancestral line and they asked their ancestors to take them to anyone in their ancestral line whose lives had been profoundly changed by the child who was found, by the orphan or the lost child or the whatever. I mean, there are some pretty important biblical stories about found children. So this is also a profound story that humanity shares, which is the child that gets found, the child that is adopted, the orphan that saves the day. I mean, so every single person in the room found someone in their ancestral line, who had a story about the child who was found and utterly changed the lives of the people, the ancestors, by the beauty and the gifts that that child had to bring. Every single person in the room had that story in their ancestry probably many times. And so the woman who felt lost in that experience of having been the child left behind, And having that in her ancestry and having that as the defining story of her life sat and listened to 14 other people share the stories of their ancestors, of how profoundly the lives of their ancestors had been changed, but the child who was left behind and then found by his or her real people and taken in and loved and nourished and supported in bringing their absolutely magical gifts to the people. And so the value for me then in the ancestral work and in particular the reconciliation of the ancestral work, which is all about these core fears, people getting stuck in the core fears, is that all of these core fears are met balanced and overwhelmed by another pattern that allows things like that child left behind to be found by their true people and bring blessings to the people. There is no story in the, in the great sharing of stories of humanity that 
ends in hopelessness. There are chapters that end in hopelessness, but no stories that end in hopelessness because humanity as the great repository of the stories of being human has the rest of the story that brings us to completion, to reconciliation, to wholeness, to a state ultimately of health and well-being where our gifts are brought to the world because we are all one. There are no straight lines that dead end. Everything is a circle. The dot of the yin is in the yang. The dot of the yang is in the yang. There is no pain that gone into doesn't become a portal to the other. That is the design of this world that we are in. And so the ancestral work has helped me to see this other part, the other stories. When my 20s were very much immersed in learning how my life was shaped by these fear-based stories and how to clear them. You know, my 30s became about learning through shamanism that these stories are balanced not just in my life, but in humanity, that I'm part of this much bigger repository of life experience and that these patterns of fears that we carry that are karmic and are charged and are part of our life are absolutely, um, we in facing those fears are absolutely supported in the archetypal patterns that also flow through our life. For example, no matter how hideous our relationship was with our mother, mother in its true undistorted form exists in our universe to be reconnected with because it is an archetypal energy that is pure code and it is there for us to reconnect with. And so there's not just for us the capacity to clear what has been distorted and damaged through our life story, but in the stories of the people, in the archetypal energies and the archetypal paths of life, in the essence energies that are present is the, is the restoration of that which was damaged. So by the way, go see Hugo. Exquisite movie about exactly this. We can be fixed. And that's what this is about. What I'd like to help people focus on, if I could, in this short life that I have to live here on this planet, is to help us to focus our time and energy and resources on the actual energy that needs to be fixed that will roll us over into the reconciliation and restoration and the ability to go forward and do what we've come here to do so that we do not spend our entire life cycling around and trying to heal whatever happened to happen in our childhood. So, in the reality of the human collective, for every story that justifies our fears, there is a story that is just as deeply mythic that offers the path of healing or reconciliation or cleansing or simply fixing what is broken. There is no need to allow what has been broken to remain so. There is a popular belief that some things never heal. But that is not true. It doesn't have to be true. As long as you are breathing, you can transform by helping spirits reinforce this truth of the reality we live in. It's part of the dreaming. It's part of the code, the plan. It's not about us. It's bigger than us. 
but as long but the way we experience as humans is as long as we are breathing we have the capacity to transform with that said there are fears that do rise up in the midst of our life process that do stop us or hobble us or cause us in more familiar language to repeat the same pattern over and over and over again in new and more interesting forms and not really get anywhere in general in our life. So um, as I said earlier today um, that I want to share this ideas from a very brilliant and compassionate teacher, Phyllis Pei, and I am forever grateful for having studied with her. And what she shared um, was that we all, all of humanity, we share core pictures or patterns uh, and that we are here in life to resolve or reconcile those core pictures. And, and core pictures, the sharing, humanity's sharing of core pictures is the reason we can, quote, unquote, read each other's energy. It's the reason we are empathic. And frankly, it is the reason we all suffer exactly the same. And will someone please send me that great Thich Nhat Hanh quote about how we all suffer the same? Because we are not unique in our suffering. Those stories do not define us. They do not limit us. And they certainly do not explain why we are here. So we are not unique in our suffering. And this is what Phyllis was talking about is that we all share these core patterns and we all suffer exactly the same. And that these core pictures or patterns are karmically charged through the emotion of fear. So in other words, the thing that brings it up in life is fear. So the pattern rises out of the great sea of our life uh, through fear. That It charges us so that we notice it. And these core pictures are shared by all of humanity, and there are really only five. And and before I go into these five, let me say, this is also what I mean when I say as contemporary people, we haven't solved anything in terms of being human. We still have all of the same issues that our ancestors had. The, The forms have changed, but these core issues of being human haven't changed. So those... Those pompous books out there written largely, you know, by psychologists about how humans, because of the value of psychology or this or that and the other thing, don't have to deal with these old issues anymore, need to look around because people are still driven by these core patterns all around us. Um, And these five core patterns are annihilation, abandonment. Banishment or rejection would be a more contemporary word for that. Separation or death, so big separation. And isolation or not being loved. So when, in other words, as a child, when we are motivated by the people that have the love, so I'm going to abandon myself to go with the people that have the love, the fear that's moving me is the fear that I will be isolated and disconnected from. And as a child, that fear is very real. It equals death. And similarly with the fear of separation, that that is a bandied about word today, but it, it really echoes the fear of death. And and that this sort of fear that death is somehow some ultimate separation. And again, we would move to shamanic 
other teachings like shamanism or Taoism that helps us see death as a transformation. And in particular in shamanism, helps us to greet death as an ally and to help us to put to death the parts of ourselves that are no longer serving us to free up our energy and resources to move forward as the person we are today and to understand, understand that as a normal, constant growth process. But anyway, back to the core pictures, annihilation, abandonment, banishment or rejection is three. Four would be separation or death and five, isolation. Although as a child, we usually experience that as the feeling of not being loved. Okay. So since fear charges these patterns, what we tend to notice in our life is the fear itself or more specifically one of these five essential fears of. We talk a lot about my fear of abandonment, you know, my fear of rejection, my fear of death, my, my fear of not being loved. I can't leave him. No one else will love me. I can't leave her. I'm afraid I won't be loved. It's, a, it's the fear of isolation. So all of the details or the specifics of our stories, our personal stories, all boil down to these five fears. And this simplifies our work. That's why it's important. And it helps us to get to the heart of things literally. Okay. And what I mean by this is if you are going to do the work to clear a pattern, clear the root pattern. Because we, I don't know about you, okay, I'm 50. I got 50 years of these patterns, and there's only five of them. So I got layer after 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 layer layer of the same patterns. I am not going to live long enough to clear every single version of that same pattern. And so instead of clearing the experiences, and there are many clearing forms out there today in in the great abundance of healing modalities that help us to clear the incident, the thing that triggered it, which is fine to move you into a more grounded and solid place. And then we need to clear the root cause of the pattern so that we don't get triggered again. And this for me, in my tender 20-year-old life, 26-year-old life, was the genius in Phyllis's work. Because to learn to track from the story going on in my life, and in your 20s, there's stories going on all the time. So whatever story was going on in my life, to come out of that and to begin to track the energy in my body till I got to one of the five core fears and to the young part of myself that held that as real from childhood and to clear the energy there. Because then I begin to experience freedom from the grip of these five fears. And this for me has been a great motivator in life is freedom. It's a dang good thing I'm an American, especially since I'm here as a woman. Freedom is huge for me. And I have um, what I learned from Phyllis was that we aren't free as long as all this monkey business around these fears is going on in our life and driving our life unconsciously, we're not free. And, and that mattered a lot to me. So for me, my work with Phyllis, she was a genius. And that this gave me a skill that I could do myself that could help me to liberate myself. And then um, attach or to focus my time and energy on what I was really here to do. To be of some sort of service, of meaning, of value in my life. Not just repeating ad nauseum 
these five fears again and again, like everybody else on the planet. I mean, you know, it was just ridiculous. So anyway, that, again, I was 20. It was dramatic. Okay. So if you're going to clear, if you're going to do the work to clear a pattern, clear the root pattern. So you follow the energy from whatever the fear is that's going on in real time that you just experienced into the body to where you carry that fear from the last time you experienced it. And you continue to track down through the body asking for younger and younger and younger and younger age. And the stories will get simpler and simpler and simpler and simpler and simpler until you are experiencing your first moment of feeling the rise in you of that core picture of abandonment or annihilation or the fear of banishment, the fear of separation or the fear of not being loved. Right? And when you get to that first time, it's no time like the first time. When you get to that first time, you are at the heart of the matter. You are at the place where that pattern first began to distort, to limit, to shape your ability to be moved by your heart purely and clearly in the world. That's the place that you want to clear the pattern. That's the place where you will get the absolute most bang for your buck. So in that way, the most important thing, and this is what hangs people up all the time, is that you have to leave the details of the current story behind and track the energy in the body from event to event to event back to the beginning. And people are so hung up on the details of the current story. And I don't get that because it is the same story over and over again and – At this point, it should be a little bit boring. But anyway, so if you're going to do the work, keep moving to a point where the fear you are clearing is not the fear of my boss doing this or the fear of somebody doing that, but getting back to the core of a core fear of complete annihilation, the core fear of abandonment, banishment, separation, or isolation. So here's the tricky part and the reason that this is the way to the actual energy that needs to be cleared. These fears, these universal fears or these core pictures, these fears are real for the child precisely because the child is dependent on others for survival, literally, literally dependent. So these are are real fears. So when we clear these fears as they are carried by our child self, carried by the past – We are clearing a real energy. When we work on the fears as we feel them in present time as an adult, we are working with a perceived fear. Because in reality, as an adult, you and I are quite capable of loving ourselves and taking care of ourselves. We are not dependent on others. Now, in the larger sense of things, we are all dependent on each other in the great oneness of all things. Granted, we're not talking about that perspective. We're talking about that very scoped down personal perspective when you are allowing fears to shape your life. And from that perspective, you are an individual who is an adult who is capable of loving yourself and taking care of yourself. And you are not dependent on others as you were as a child. Therefore, these fears are perceived. And to do work to clear a perceived fear that is already an illusion 
is on some level somewhat of a waste of time. So these are these fears are perceived for adults, period. And that's the thing that we need to get as an adult. And this is the fundamental awareness of moving into spiritual adulthood is to recognize I am having this fear, therefore I am actually being motivated out of my past because as an adult, I am capable of loving and caring for myself. There is no need for these fears, even the fear of death. Because we are not dependent, our life and death is not dependent on other people. Right? And so the, even the fear of death is not a valid, real fear as an adult. And so when you notice yourself feeling these fears, you know something is afoot from the past. You know your life has given you the gift of bringing up something from the past, some place in the past where yourself is stuck in child time when you, in actuality, are living in adult time. And this is why we say fear is an illusion. This is what we mean by fear as an illusion, is that these fears that are being generated by your stories are perceived fears. They are illusory. And to spend enormous amounts of time and energy clearing them is, is a somewhat of a waste of resources unless the very process you're using is driving you down to the child self that is holding a real fear, a core fear. And these, these practices are offered in the, in the mystical teachings of all the mystery schools, of all the different world religions, all the different people. I mean, humanity has found the way to attend to this and offered it in many different forms of the same thing again and again and again. This is what Phyllis taught. This is what I teach at Last Mass Center. This is the point of beginning to truly discern as spiritual adults, what does it take to do actual energetic clearing so I can get on with why I'm here and do what I have come here to do. So, the important thing to realize about all of this is the reason we should bother is because these fears, when they arise, bring with them the gift of wholeness. Because if we refuse to go back, can't tell you how many people say, I just don't want to feel that again. I just don't want to go back. I don't want to feel that again. Well, the problem with that, not that you need to repeat trauma, but the problem with your refusal to go find yourself as you're still stuck in the past is that that is the self that's holding the fear. And that fear will continue to shape and drive your life until you go back to yourself and bring him or her forward. And acknowledge that now today as an adult, you can care for that part of yourself. So she or he does not need to be afraid of annihilation, abandonment, or rejection. Because you're not abandoning them. You're not rejecting them. But as long as we refuse to go back to gather ourselves from those past times, we are abandoning ourselves. We are rejecting ourselves. We are isolating that part of ourselves. We are repeating to ourself, the very same fear. So yes, also understand that I am making a distinction between these perceived fears of the adult that are coming out of our stories and actual fear that could arise in an adult life. For example, in an accident or being um, involved in a crime being perpetrated against you in which your physical life is actually threatened. 
And I am also making a distinction now between actual, actual PTSD from a truly traumatic event um, and the very natural process that I am discussing today. So PTSD is a very extreme version brought on by extreme life events and that it is not the same as what I am talking about where you are, where life is inspiring you to return to yourself. It's a healthy, natural gift from your life to give you the opportunity to heal. And yes, it is a very small version of PTSD, but I am hearing people talk about this natural part of their life as PTSD. And that is disrespectful and dishonoring of people who, for example, war veterans who have truly put their lives on the line. And whether you believe in the war or not, they've done it so that you can turn on your electricity and listen to me on your computer. And so there's a bottom line here in how that is all connected. And to call our natural uh, efforts in life to reclaim ourselves from our childhood where things were not exactly perfect, PTSD is a real dishonoring of people that have suffered very high level severe trauma and are truly being triggered back into it in a way that they cannot function in life at all. And so while these are the same process energetically, they are on different, very different ends of a spectrum. And I have I've sort of heard this whole my PTSD now being thrown around in the way in the 80s we started calling people a narcissist. You know, some people really are technically narcissists. Other people are just behaving badly. Okay, so this natural process of repair, how we are given the ability to repair the imperfections of our childhood has been happening forever for all of humanity and the practices of shamanism and the mystery schools and all these different ways are offered, have been offered as a path of self-repair. And this is not about PTSD. So let's reserve PTSD for those who are experiencing a level of suffering far beyond the normal healing of life. Because they have experienced trauma far beyond the normal moments when our parents, who were human and flawed, were simply not able to meet our needs. And that is a very different experience than being at war, being involved in a natural disaster, you know, being involved in some situation, um, encountering a true sociopath. There is nothing more frightening than looking into the eyes of another human being and realizing there isn't a human being home there. So, so, so let's make a distinction. Don't be listening to this going, wow, she's talking about PTSD. I'm not. And I'm also not saying that adults can't experience actual valid fear because we certainly can today. What I'm talking about is what many of us spend a large part of our day engaged in, which is allowing the, fear, the sense of fears and the implied limitations from our past to hobble us and cripple us from going forward as adults. So what is important that comes to us from being willing to allow the experience of the fear arising in our everyday life 
and tracking it through our body to the very earliest age that we felt it in our child life where that fear is real and and showing up for our child in a way we couldn't when we were a child, giving the child the love or the care that it needed so that it can let go of those fears and come back with us in present time and merge into us is a way that we create wholeness. It's a way that we remember ourself. It's part of a memory practice in Taoism. And that ultimately, it is a process of being accountable to ourself. And in being accountable to ourself, we begin to restore our deep inner self's trust of the person who's running the show, person who's making the decisions, going shopping, deciding what job to take and how to spend the energy, right? That that person can run things in a way that our inner self, our soul, the ling spirit of our heart, the soul's purpose self, utterly distrusts the person running the show. And this is the relationship that we want constantly to be aware of cultivating. And for many of us, if we're letting these old fear stories drive us, we need first to repair this energy. And so part of the reason that I'm bringing it up now in December for the Northern Hemisphere is because this is the work of this time in the cycle of the year. This is not the time to be starting new projects. It's the time actually to be ending them or even letting go of things that just aren't right anymore and plowing those crops under for the fertility of the next cycle, that this is the time to be going within and really looking to repair and restore the deep inner relationship between my outer self who runs the show and the inner self who carries the true reason that I am here. So, so each, for each of you, that this is the time to restore that relationship and to remember to hear that voice of the person inside who knows why you are here. And the dynamic around this that we're talking about today is the dynamic that moves between the four archetypes of the child, the sage, and the man and the woman, which also often present in this dynamic as the mother and the father. Now, understand, as I say, these archetypal energies, all four of these energies exist within each one of us. doesn't matter whether we're male or female. We all carry these energies within us. And these four archetypal energies need to be happy and healthy within us for us to um, make wise and balanced decisions. And so the wisdom of the sage is balanced by the uncertainty and adventurous nature of the child. And the um, energy of being human is then held between man and woman. And I don't mean this in terms of any sort of sexuality or gender preference or anything like that. More just the sense of the scope of being a human is held within these energies. And that each one of us holds each of them in their entirety and then the two of them together as a wholeness. And so these are two sort of yin-yang relationships, the child and the sage and the man and the woman or the mother and the father. And that these are the archetypal energies that are available to us to repair the experience of the child. So in other words, let's imagine I'm in an inner visualization. So I'm I'm following the felt sense of energy in my body. I'm in an inner visualization tracking some energy of a fear of abandonment, let's say. 
And deep within myself, in a, in a chakra, I find a child, the youngest age that I can find, that was the first time in my life that I experienced abandonment by someone that mattered to me, right? And so I, as the person today, faced with that feeling of abandonment, could easily totally merge again with that child and just feel abandoned and be able to do nothing to resolve the situation. So what I have to do in this is to honor and acknowledge the child, to feel the feelings, but to stand my ground as an adult and a contemporary person. And I reach out, so I'll give you the non-shamanic version, and I can reach out through my awareness, through the stories of my life, the little story, little S stories of my life, to the bigger capital S stories, the story of father, true father, the story of mother, true mother, the story of the child, not the wounded child, the child, archetypal energy, and the sage. And all four of these energies have all of the information, they're complete circle. So among the four of them, any information that I need to bring to bear on my relationship with this child self is present. Now, in my personal experience, because I'm a shamanic practitioner, this is made somewhat easier by the inside of the helping spirits and the inner healer and other energies. But even non-shamanically speaking, in this work of clearing these fears carried in your child, you have access as an adult to all four of the energies that make a complete circle of wisdom that give you all of the information that you need to channel through you, the adult, to the child you that felt abandoned in this scenario and to give him or her the love of the mother or the love of the father or the joy of the child or the wisdom of the sage or whatever it is needed from those energies to get what she or he needs. And that's all that needs to happen. And this is, this is so simple and yet so profoundly challenging for people to realize is that you whose fear has driven choices for decades, just needs to get what he or she wants, what she needs, he or she needs. And we are the only ones, ultimately, in the end, who can do that. And that we have access to those energies through the energies of the archetypes. And that that energy flows to that little mini you, and that little mini you gets what he or she needs. And she's like, woohoo, I am free from this really crappy job I've been given to hold on to this fear. Because child selves don't really want the job of holding on to the fear of abandonment for the rest of your whole freaking life, right? And so freedom, right? By giving the child what he or she needs, they're free to be a kid. The energy merges with you. You return from your inner visualization into present time and acknowledge and allow that energy to begin to move in your life in present time. That's all. It's that simple. So why? Why do we have these stories? So it's important to understand that in the beginning, in the very beginning, you just got here in your little wiggly infant body and you are pretty much close to pure potential. And that potential pulses in you in yin and yang energies. You are at that point, I would say, very much cosmic, very much connected in with the big energies, not yet so much described by little human stories, right? 
And so then we can have to do this story in two halves, but you'll get the picture. So then you, as this little infant who is deeply impressionable on many, many, many levels, in that, in that time of pure potential when you first arrive, basically your entire, your entire universe is described by the energy of your mother and father together. They are the whole story. And, and in soul retrieval work, I often experience it literally as soul parts floating in a bowl of soup. Like your mom and dad create the energy soup that you begin to shape, to take your shape in and your form in. And so they define the whole known universe in the beginning because they are the source of love and food. They are the source of survival. Um, and because we, we, contemporary Americans, do very little to keep our newborns and infants connected to the power and the energy of where they came from, our children lose the connection to the source and the spirit world very quickly from a lack of reflection and validation of that energy in their life. But nonetheless, back to, back to the beginning. So in the beginning, your feminine nature is defined completely by your mother. M- your mother defines women and your mother defines yin and all of its possibility because that's our universe. And then you grow up a bit and you realize that you're actually not your mother. And this begins when you're two and you first learn to say no and set a boundary. And this continues as you meet other mothers and your reality expands. And so you're, you're not – you are not equal to your mother, but you're still – if you're a woman, you're still – or the woman inside of you if you're a man is still equal to woman as defined by your culture. It's also equal to yin, but if you're here in America, for the most part, nobody's talking about that. So you're pretty much dead end there at woman. So then you grow up a bit more and you realize you are not equal to woman as defined by your culture, that there's more to you than that, uh, male or female. And so what are you? And so then at, at a you know, tender age, then we begin to reach out for a spiritually mature expression of what it means to be mother, woman, feminine. And in the West, when we reach out for what that means spiritually, we basically find nothing. So it leads to then a deep sense of a lack of self-worth, a lack of inherent value, and a pattern of beginning to live your purpose through the lives of others. And this is true for men or women because we are all really looking for an affirmation of our true yin and yang energies. And so these stories that we embody about what mother means, what woman means, what the feminine can possibly mean, these shape our energy and our sense of what is possible. Um, and then this complementary process happens for us relative to our father. And this happens whether our mothers or fathers are absent or present, literally absent, emotionally absent, it doesn't matter. That this is still the soup that is shaping our life. And so in the beginning, your pure potential, your parents are the whole known universe. And in the beginning, your masculine nature equals father, which equals man, which equals young, even though we don't talk about this in the culture, because all you can see is your father. And then you grow a bit and you realize you're not your father, as defined by your experience, and your reality expands, but you're still pretty much man. And, and you would be young, but we don't talk about that. And then you grow a bit more and you realize that you're not man as defined as this culture. You're actually more than that. So what are you? And you reach out for the true spiritual nature and expression of father, man, masculine in the West. And what do you find? You find God. 
And that leads to a distorted ego development, grandiosity, entitlement, and living your purpose at the expense of the lives of others because we are profoundly imbalanced in this Western culture. And so this is true for men or for women because we are all really looking for an affirmation of that pure potential child growing up. We're looking for an affirmation of our yin and yang energies. And we get limited versions in our parents. And because they are human and they are limited, we don't always get our needs met. And because we don't always get our needs met, these fears arise. And so these stories that we embody become the stories then that shape our life because they bring us into these fears. And as Phyllis says, we cannot relive or redo the past, but we have the power to change the way we hold energy and restructure energy patterns in our bodies. And so by doing so, we have the power to change our belief systems, particularly the painful ones, and open our energy flow towards new life creations. And our awareness of held energies and the acknowledgement of held pain allows us to process and discharge blocked energies. So in this way, when we realize these fears, we are able then to recognize these fears are defined by the experience of my very simple human life and that it is normal that all my needs were not met and that I can go back to that child and meet his or her needs now. So winter is the time in the energetic nature of the human body for renewal. It isn't a great time to start new projects, but it is a good time to either complete them or release them. It is a time to restore and replenish the energy of the essences that have become lost in these stories that we carry. And this is the time of the year to go within. We, I mean, it's a perfect time because we're all being reminded of family and family dynamics in many ways because we've just been with our families or we're not going to be with our families or remembering all the hideous times we were with our families or all the wonderful times we were with our families and now those people are lost. I mean, there's all these things going on right now in the Northern Hemisphere, at least, about family. So it is a perfect time for these fears to rise up. It's part of the reason we are cranky at this time of year and sad and frustrated is because all of these fears are rising up as these patterns are saying, would you please come back here and fix me? I am tired of holding our energy in fear of abandonment, fear of annihilation, fear of banishment, fear of separation, and fear of isolation. I am tired of this job. Would you please come back to me? And free me of this so that we can go forward and do what we have come here to do. This is why this time of year, particularly in America, is so grumpy. Because these patterns are begging you to stop shopping, stop planning parties, and go within. I'm not saying you shouldn't shop and you shouldn't have your parties. But spend some time going within. These patterns of fears that you carry are begging you to come within to to restore your relationship with these childhood selves and in that way restore your relationship with the child, with the sage, with the true mother and the true father and to allow these energies to guide you in becoming the foundation 
for your own spiritual adulthood. And that will allow you to emerge in the spring, following the energies of spring and step out into this new platform of spiritual maturity. And this is, as far as I have been able to figure out in my life, the path to true freedom. So thank you all for listening here today. Next week, we're going to explore, continue to explore renewal. We're going to explore renewing a different aspect of our relationships, primarily with the adventurer and what the inner child has to do with that and why parts of you, probably the parts that carry your soul's purpose, may not trust you well enough to even talk to you. So join us next week as we continue our discussion of renewal and restoration and replenishing our relationship with source. I give thanks to the ancestors, the earth below, the sky above, the heart that unites us all, and I thank you all for listening. Have a great week.